the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Bottom line, you did it, you're guilty. No passing the buck here. God makes us take responsibility for our actions. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Well, again, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 21. I entitled this message, A New Way of Life. Okay, so Exodus 21, verse 12. He who strikes a man that he may die shall surely be put to death. Now, remember, we studied in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. Well, that's what he says, thou shalt not kill. Now we're getting the details if you do kill, okay? Verse 13. But if he did not lie and wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint you a place in which you may flee. If, however, a man acts presumptuously towards his neighbor so as to kill him craftily, you are to take him even from my altar, that's an altar of grace, that he may die. Verse 15, he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Oh, don't mess with your parents. Okay. Verse 16, he who kidnaps a man, whether he sells him or he is found in possession, shall surely be put to death. That, that would stop kidnapping today. Verse 17, he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Verse 18, if men have a quarrel and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist and he does not die, but he remains in bed, if he gets up and he walks around outside with a staff, then he who struck him shall go unpunished. He shall only pay for the loss of time and he shall take care of him until he is completely healed. If a man strikes his male or female slave with a rod and he dies in uh, in his hand, he shall be punished. If, however, he survives a day or two, no vengeance shall be taken, for he is his property. If a man struggles with each other and strikes a woman with a child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet there is no injury, he shall surely be fined as the woman's husband may demand of him, and he shall pay uh, as the judges decide. Verse 23. But if there is any further injury, you shall appoint as a penalty Life for life. Here's the penalty. Life for life. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. If a man strikes the eye of his male or female slave and destroys it, he shall let him go free on the account of the eye. And if he knocks out a tooth of the male or female slave, he shall let him go free on the account of of a tooth. So what, what does he put that in there? If you take out a guy's eye, you knock their tooth out. That means if you punch your servants, your slave, if you punch them and you cause damage to their eye or damage, knock one of their teeth out, guess what? You have to lose that slave and they get to go free now. What is that telling people? Don't hit your slave. 
Don't beat them because if they have some kind of uh, lasting damage from that, you're going to set that person free. So it makes you think twice before you beat your slave. See, God is, is regulating. He's saying, you're not just going to treat other humans with bad care. Because if you do, it's going to cost you. So let's look at some of these given penalties here, you know, that are going to be paid out to those who do wrong. So going back to verse 12, those who killed, we are given two different scenarios here. Okay. The first one is accidental. And the second is vengeful. So we have here, one is intentional. One is unintentional. For the one who simply kills someone out of anger, out of vengeance, out of fury, some kind of rage, they are to be put to death immediately. No last meal. Oh, yes, I want uh, chicken McNuggets. Uh, I want... No, you don't get in your last meal. It's end of story. You die because you took someone's life. You take a life, your life will be taken. Now, if we stood by this principle today, murder rates would drop radically. People would simply not commit this crime any longer. If they knew that they would be executed immediately, this would cause you to think a lot before you went and killed somebody. This is why we're told in verse 13 that if it's an accident, because what if you're out in the field working? You know, you're swinging your axe, you're working, all of a sudden the axe head falls off the axe handle, hits your, hits your neighbor, boom, he drops dead. He's bleeding right there. Oh my goodness, he's dead. Well, people are going to think that I had an argument with him and hit him with the axe. So God would make a place that you could run, a place of refuge. It was called a city of refuge. We're told in Numbers 35, 6, the cities which you shall give to the Levites shall be six cities of refuge, which you shall give for the manslayer to flee to. And in addition to him, you shall give him 42 cities. So there's going to be all these cities around that if an accident happens, you can run in there to the city of refuge and hang on to the altar until they can clearly see what happened. And that way they would not take your life immediately. But again, in verse 14, for those who killed in a premeditation action, hey, You've been driving across my lawn. I can't stand it. I'm taking you out. It doesn't matter if they run to the city of refuge or not. They will be taken out of that city immediately and killed. And notice, back in this day, there was very little rebellion. There wasn't rebellion in the home. Why? Because children were to honor their parents. For we're told in verse 15, if a children strikes their parent, Okay, because it said what? In the Ten Commandments, the Fifth Commandment was what? Honor your father and mother. Okay, that's just a blind statement. Now we're getting details. Okay, so if children strike their parent, which is kind of funny because we had a young man come up to me after the first service. He goes, man, when I was little, I hit my mom. He goes, I got to call her and apologize. (laughs) Because what would happen if you struck your parent back in this day? They would kill you. That's it. You're done. You strike your parent, it's over for you. God never tolerated rebellious children. For if children could not respect their parents, God knew. If you can't love the one who brought you into this world, if you can't love the one who has nurtured you, if you can't love and respect the one that has given you life, then you will not respect anybody in society. And how true is that? This is why we as parents should insist that our children always listen and respect us and respect other elders. Like when I was growing up in the 60s, and this is just how radical things have changed. 
It's like, oh my goodness, I would get beat at school, okay? My first grade teacher, I still remember her, Mrs. Beamer, okay? We used to have these gnarly, thick, you know, unbelievable, gnarly, thick, uh, you know, uh, yardsticks. And she would beat me with those things, and it would, they would, she would break them at times over my butt, okay? Now, did I go home and complain to my parents? No. Oh, no. You know why? Oh, you get beat again. Well, what did you do? What caused her to beat you, okay? Well, I was just being an idiot in class, okay? Well, I'm beating you again, okay? So you didn't say anything. If, if I was on my bicycle, my, riding across my neighbor's lawn, he'd come on, hey, you kid, get off that bike off of my lawn. It's like, it was, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You, why? Because if you smarted off, he'd come over to your house, knock on your door, and tell your dad. What would your dad do? Oh, come here. I've got a little, I've got a little message for you, okay? It's like, and the belt will come off, okay? So it's like there was a whole different type of lifestyle. But see, that's how we were raised back then. See, so this is what happens. We're to raise our children with respect. If we don't, then they should be disciplined. Now, how do you discipline kids today? Restrict special privileges. You take those things away. No, you don't get to go here. You don't get to go spend the night. You don't get to go to the movies here because you have to bring respect in your own home first until obedience is adhered to. Understand, if our children, again, are disrespectful to us, they will be disrespectful in society to their future bosses. They'll be disrespectful, get this, to their future spouses. Remember, we are called to raise up our children in the way of the Lord. So that when they get married, they have respect and love for their spouses. Husbands, the Bible says, we are called to love our wives like Christ loves the church. How did Christ love the church? Well, he died for the church. So us men are called to die for our wives. Okay, so we get that. We're men. Someone starts picking on your wife. It's like, hey, I'm taking you out. Okay, you're bigger than me. Give me a baseball bat. Okay, we'll have to even it out. Okay, so we do whatever it takes to protect our wives, but... We could die physically for them, but will we die mentally for them? Will we die to ourselves in an argument? Uh, see, that's a lot harder, isn't it? It's one thing standing up for your wife if she's in danger, but what happens when you're in an argument? You know, that's a little bit tougher, but that's what it means to love our wives as Christ loves the church. And wives are called to submit to their husbands as under the Lord. So there's times when you don't want to submit to your husband, but the Lord is saying, look, I understand he's a hairy beast. It's like, you know, he was a prince charming. Now he's turned into a toad. I get that. But at the same time, can you do it as unto me? And that's part of dying to yourself, which goes back to, are you willing to be a bondservant as unto the Lord here. And so, listen, if, you know, you say, I'm never going to submit to my spouse. I'm never going to do that. No, no way. It's 50-50. He scratches my back. I scratch his. If he stops scratching, I'm going to stop scratching. Listen, if that's your desire and that's what you're going to plan on doing in marriage, do yourself and your future spouse a favor. Don't get married. Don't get married. Because it's like, if you don't do it God's way, then you're just going to be a casualty of how everything else is in society, where 52% of marriages end up in divorce. So just spare your future spouse. But then we're told in verse 17, if a child curses his father or his mother, they should be put to death. Wow. If that was still happening today, high school's population would greatly decrease, okay? It would radically drop. But then we're told in verse 16, if anyone kidnaps someone, they're to be put to death. Again, if we stuck to what the Bible said today, how many kidnappings do you think there'd be? Oh, you kidnap someone? Oh, you put to death as soon as we find you. Uh, okay, that would radically drop. 
See, we would rarely see crime happen if you did what God said to do in his word. So because America, because the world is no longer following the Lord, this is why we are in such a mess today. Because people would know, I get out of line, I'm going to have to pay a penalty for that. So obviously, this whole Democrat ideology, this this liberal ideology of not punishing criminals is not working. But is anyone admitting that? Oh, no. They're sticking to their guns. And so we, as America, we, as a world of people, humanity in general, we have abandoned God's word here in the 21st century. We have forsaken the rules that God has clearly given to us. We've rejected his ordinances. And what do we have to show for it? A world that is spinning out of control with no real way to curb wickedness. And that's why we're in the mess we're in. But getting back to our text, we're given a host of different scenarios and God addresses them all. Verse 18 and 19. If you're in a fight and you hurt someone, and he can't go back to work, you have to help him. You have to help him until he's able to provide for himself. That's right. So we're going to hold you personally responsible for this. And if you hurt a pregnant woman, and now you're subject to her husband, and whatever he tells you to do, you're going to have to do it. You know, again, God gives the boundaries of how much has to be repaid for a crime. So how much has to be repaid for a crime? Because in our culture, we have pain and suffering. That's right. Pain and suffering. When people are able to sue for millions of dollars, like the the woman who pulled into McDonald's drive-thru and she ordered a coffee. They hand her the coffee and she drops it and spills it on her lap and burns herself. So she was able to successfully sue McDonald's for millions of dollars because on the cup, it didn't say contents are hot. Well, were you expecting cold coffee? You know, it's like, I mean, there's just the obvious. See, God never allowed for the obvious to someone to sue for millions of dollars. God never allowed that. But see, we've allowed it in our country. And because we've allowed it and someone was able to sue. I mean, look, it's an unfortunate thing that you dropped your coffee in your lap. I'm sorry. But it's like we shouldn't be held responsible for you dropping your coffee on your lap. Did you not think it was hot? Okay, so did you want cold coffee? But because we've allowed this, these frivolous lawsuits to go through our system and people have made millions of dollars, it's like now there's all kinds of frivolous lawsuits. I was reading about frivolous lawsuits on the internet yesterday, okay? So Starbucks was sued because their iced coffee has less coffee in it. I bought a 16-ounce iced coffee, but there's not 16 ounces of coffee in there because of the ice. Yeah, you ordered the iced coffee. Okay, so they're, they're, Starbucks is being sued because there's not a full 16 ounces of coffee in the iced coffee. Okay, this is crazy. Home Depot is sued because they sell 4x4s, you know, in their lumber department. Yeah, but that's not a 4x4. It's actually 3.5 inches by 3.5 inches, just like a 2x4. It's not a full 2x4. So they're getting sued because their 4x4s are not actual 4 inches by 4 inches. Subway is being sued because their foot-long sandwich is not foot-long. I measured it. It's 11 inches and three-quarters. It's not a foot, okay? I need damages here. I'm damaged because my foot-long sub was a half-inch short, okay? So this is what God said in verse 24 and 25. Here's how the repayment's going to happen here. An eye for an eye. A tooth for a tooth, a bruise for a bruise, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot. Meaning, what does he mean there with all of that? 
the repayment should always equal what was lost. So if you steal my lawnmower, and my lawnmower costs 400 bucks, you can't sue me for $4 million because I go before the judge. <laughs> judge, <laughs> I was so close to that lawnmower. We've been through everything together. Three dogs. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's just part of my life. I mean, I meet with this lawnmower every week to mow my lawn. It's like, we're just so close. We have a bond, okay? No, I can't sue that person for $4 million. If he stole my lawnmower, he owes me a $400 lawnmower. That's it. That's the point with an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You know, we can't sue for more. So look what God, he just puts reality back in so that man doesn't take advantage of man. That's what God does here. Which brings up our final point, new responsibilities. Let's read here what he goes on to say in verse 38. He says, now if an ox, your ox, gores a man or a woman and kills him, uh, the ox shall surely be stoned and his flesh shall not be eaten. But the owner of the ox shall go unpunished. And if, however, though, if the ox was previous habit of goring people, like you got the crazy local ox here, okay, and he's goring other people and the owner has been warned, yet he does nothing to confine it and it kills a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned and the owner also shall be put to death. Oh, you got the local ox and you don't do nothing with him? Well, then you're going to die too. So what do you think people did with local oxes back then? They killed them. Because I don't want to be responsible. See, this is what God, he put responsibility. Verse 30, if a ransom or demand, uh, uh, if a ransom is demanded of him, then he shall give the redemption of his life, whatever is demanded of him. Whether it gores a son or a daughter, it shall be done to him according to the rule. If the ox gores a male or female slave, the owner shall give his or her master 30 shekels of silver. So if it killed your slave, well... I got to pay you for that slave. What was the going price for a slave? 30 shekels of silver, which by the way, is what Judas sold Jesus out for, the price of a common slave, which was 30 shekels of silver. But moving on, and the ox shall be stoned. If a man opens a pit or digs a pit and does not cover it, and then your neighbor has an ox or a donkey that falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make restitution and he shall give money to its owner and the dead animal shall become his. If one man's ox hurts another so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and divide its price equally. And also they shall divide the dead ox. Or if it's known that the ox was previously in the habit of goring, yet its owner has not confined it, he shall surely pay ox for ox and the dead animal shall be his. Okay, so we're just all these details because people are like, oh, I didn't know that. Okay, hmm. So God wants us to be responsible. What's the point of all this? Be responsible. You're responsible for your actions. In verse 28, in the case of the wild ox killing another, you know, look, it's an accident. Nobody anticipated it happened. It's unfortunate that accidents happen. Now, you have to remember, when we're looking at this stuff, you have to put it in modern day terminology in your mind. Okay, so you replace the ox with a car. You replace the ox with a motorcycle. Replace the ox with your weed whacker. If it's like whatever your piece of machinery or whatever causes harm to someone else, you're responsible for it, okay? So that's the point that we have with the scripture here, okay? You, you didn't mean to run the red light. You didn't see it. You looked down, you know, it's like uh, your phone dropped on the floor, whatever. It's like, it's still your fault. 
So nothing happens to the owner. It's just an accident here. Yet in verse 20, 29, if the owner knew that he had the loco ox and it kills someone, now the ox is killed and the owner is killed. So if you've got a wild animal, hey, you know, you've got a lion in your backyard and it's a little aggressive <laughs> and it kills him. Well, you knew that. Okay. So now you both die because of that. This is totally different than what happens here today in our politically correct society where no one accepts responsibility for their actions. No one accepts responsibility. Well, it's not my fault. Well, you did it. Yeah, but it's not my fault. Uh, It was an addictive behavior that is taken in my life. It's caused by the cultural issues that I'm facing here today. It's not my fault. It was, you know, the fault of my grandparents. Some will say, well, I was mentally incapacitated at the time. It's not my fault. Well, God says, well, guess what? You did it. You're guilty. Okay, that's it. Bottom line. You did it. You're guilty. No passing the buck here. End of story. God makes us take responsibility for our actions. Therefore, it makes us think about what we do before we do it. Now, can God forgive us if we do something wrong? Of course he can. But we are to man up for what we did and we are to make restitution. We're to pay back. Now, there was grace in verse 30. Instead of the one guy dying because his ox gored someone, He says, whenever that person was victimized, that victimized person, you know, he could just say, well, you know what? Uh, Maybe he didn't die. Maybe he was just gored, you know? It's like, hey, I've just been gored, but I'm still alive here. But instead of taking that man's life, I want to, I don't want to do that. Look, I don't, I don't want any more harm to happen here. So that man's able to give grace. So if he says, well, look, if he pays me, uh, you know, for my time, uh, you know, getting better and what have you, then uh, let his life be redeemed. So it's like, you know, there was grace that could happen. People didn't have to demand the harshest thing. So God gives that opportunity for grace to happen here as God is gracious to us. Again, in verse 33 and 34, God has laid down principles of responsibility. If a man digs a hole and he doesn't cover it and all of a sudden and he doesn't put a barricade up, hey, I just dug this hole here and your neighbor's donkey falls into the hole and it dies. Well, the one who dug the hole, why didn't you put up a sign? Why didn't you tell us that you had this open pit here? You have to take responsibility for it. You have to pay me now for my donkey here. Listen, does God really care about the donkey? He's just trying to establish responsibility here. So when you think about this as we end here, think about what God really cares about. So if God is making this person take responsibility because this guy's donkey fell into his hole that he didn't put a sign up, how much more does God care about your neighbor than your neighbor's dog? See, he cares about your neighbor. He cares about your coworker. He cares about the people that are around you. He cares about the family members that you've wrote off because you can't stand them anymore because they're leeches, okay? He cares about all of these people. So if he, God cares this much about the restitution for an animal, how much, does he, much more does he care about the restitution to the people that are around you? That's why Jesus came. That's why he died. That's why he gave his own life so that we could all be saved. So God is making provisions here to take care of animals that have gone astray and all of these things. But the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is a book of redemption. It's about, you know, how much God loves you. And it's like all these people that are listening to this for the first time, 
They're all redeemed slaves that came out of slavery in Egypt. Slavery was already massively all over the world at this point. And God is the redeemer. He's the one that buys back. He's the one that pulls us aside. He's the one that sets us aside. Now, we have a choice. Either you're going to follow the Lord, like we were talking about earlier, that we're going to become bond slaves of the Lord, or you're not. But here's the fact. Because culture and society that we live in has completely abandoned God, has completely turned against everything that he's told us to do in the Word, and therefore the world is spinning out of control. Can culture go on that much longer at the pace that we're having right now? Is it 10 more years? Is it 10 more weeks? Is it 10 more days? Look, we don't know. But one thing for sure is Christ is coming back. He wants us to be a light that shines in this dark world, to tell people that, look, can't you see what's happening? Do you think that we can continue to sustain this full crime-ridden society the way that it is? Do you think that everything's just going to work itself out? So the point is this. The point is, are you right with Christ? Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.